What were Jesus's last words? Go out into the whole world and make disciples. This Catholic podcast is all about helping you say yes to the final and greatest invitation of Jesus, the adventure you were made for. Together, let's explore what business, education, organizational leadership, popes, saints, and scriptures say about fulfilling the Great Commission. Well, welcome back, folks. This is the first episode we are recording in 2021. Thank you so much for staying with us. It is great to be here. Everything in life has peaks and valleys. So sometimes in ministry or in life, in anything you're doing, you might think, wow, things are amazing. And then next week you might think, how on earth did I get into this? Why is this so hard? Well, we have a framework for you today that will help you make sense of your ministry, the work you're doing for the Lord, so that you can easily and quickly recognize where am I? What's going on? Is this normal and to be expected, or do I need to respond a little bit more swiftly to address a serious issue? This is the ministry life cycle. So for those of you who are watching live with us, you get to see this picture. If you are listening, you can check out the image on the Facebook page of the ministry life cycle. Justin, why don't you share with us, explain the ministry life cycle? Sure. And I'm going to walk folks through it that are just listening. This is also in our book, but basically we, we borrow this concept from the business world. You might have heard of business life cycle, organizational life cycle. Basically, there's three main phases a ministry we've seen will, will also go through. And this is for ministries that make it at least a few years. We're not talking just, you know, we've all seen ministries that sputter up and then they sputter away and they don't last. This is for ones that stand the test of time a bit. So the first phase is launch. You get going. You start to build a little momentum. But if you stay faithful to it and keep working at it and remain prayerful, you will hit the second phase, the growth phase. You're going to you know, catch some serious momentum. I think about Acts or Curcio, you know, dioceses that have had those movements. You know, It probably started small, then it hit a critical mass and grew and grew and grew. Um, I also like to talk about the Knights of Columbus with this. They had to start and launch at some point, but look at them now. So then in phase three, and I think the Knights are a good example of this, you're going to hit a phase of maturity and your growth kind of stagnates. And you reach the key point of this diagram, which is the decision point. So when you're at maturity, you've got three options with your ministry. Are you, because you, it's not just gonna stay there like that forever. We know that if you're not growing, you're dying. You either need to reinvent and restart what you're doing, tweak it. Second, you just kind of let it ride out, you know, just let it decline. Or third, you close up shop so you can focus efforts elsewhere. So that's that's kind of it, Dan. I mean, but how have you seen this play out in your own ministry or ministries you've seen this life cycle? Well, one uh, something that just came to mind was, um, you know, this is on a global level, or at least on a national level, we're seeing this in the Catholic Church in the United States, where we hit maturity a while ago, and we're at this, this very critical decision point where uh, it's not that we have to reinvent, but we have to, re uh, we don't reinvent the faith. The Lord always makes it uh, new, but keeps it uh, faithful to, uh, to the faith that he started or the faith that he gave us. But there's still the need to reinvent the, the way that we share the gospel or not so much reinvent it, but go back and say, what is the Lord asking us to do? And so you could say globally right now, the church is at this point where we have to say, what is the Lord asking us to do? Um, we've made it here. The, 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 the amazing people, the saints who went before us brought us to this point. What's next? Uh, but within my own ministry, I would say um, I could see points where, uh, so let's say when I was doing campus ministry, we hit a kind of like maximum growth. So we had this, this great campus ministry room that we could fill up pretty regularly. 
but there, I would say we hit, uh, we hit our, like a plateau in two ways. One, we just maxed out the room. Like it got so busy that some people would show up and say, there's nowhere to sit. I can't even walk. There's so many people in here. I'm going to go somewhere else. And then we also hit a plateau of spiritual development where most of the people who were there, who were coming to engage with us were just okay enough carrying through and not doing anything differently. And, um, that let us know, okay, we have to do something. We have to do something different because there's the whole school out there that we're not engaging with. So great. We, we made this really attractive space that people want to come and be, uh, be a part of, but then there's the rest of the school. And then even the ones who are showing up, what's their spiritual development? And are we really attending to that? Or are we just saying, okay, good enough that they're here. And so we stopped and said, what's the next step? Where do we, with the people who are here, how can we help them continue to go farther and, and journey closer to the Lord. And then for the people who aren't here, what's our next step? And so the ministry matured to a whole nother phase. You could say it evolved and it was like, okay, we're no longer a baby ministry. Now we need to act like we're, we're an adult mature mm-hmm. ministry who goes after people who aren't coming and invests heavily in the people who are there. How about you? No, well, I just, you know, that's great. You guys recognize that and did something about it. Cause I think it's really easy to not want to talk about the elephant in the room just let things keep going on, especially in ministry world. You know, we're often afraid of hurting each other's feelings, but we have to be real about where we're at in the ministry so that we can move forward. Um, you know, what you shared, Dan, about the Catholic Church in America, maybe think about the Catholic Church globally and St. Pope John Paul II call for the new evangelization. He wasn't saying we need to change the content. What he was saying is we need to present it in new and effective ways to the world today. Um, so he kind of saw that ahead of time. I've been blown away reading different things about him and he just knew it was like, can he see 30 years into the future, different things that he wrote. So definitely agree with you there. And I also would add what you mentioned there, Dan, about the spiritual mirroring the results side that happens again, again, again. I think about that with the youth ministry I was leading. I think we hit a time where there was a spiritual plateau and the numbers were showing that as well. They both kind of stagnated around the next, Around the same time, Christ says he is the vine and we are the branches. So the ministry is going to grow as as we grow spiritually too, making sure that Christ is really the engine behind it, not not something else, not emotions or just friendships. You know, Christ has to be at the center. Yeah. And I'm thinking this is, uh, for some people, this might feel a little bit funny, but I'm thinking of a book I read about sales. It was, I think, How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in sales uh and it's by frank betcher so this book is probably close to a hundred years old at this point he was uh writing in the maybe not quite that old but it was in the the probably the first half of the 1900s and he was an insurance salesman and he had this great line it was like hey you know how you can double your sales make twice as many calls and um it, it was one of those simple things that really just struck me. It's like, oh uh, yeah, no, that makes that makes total sense. And so when I going back to talking about the campus ministry, it didn't make it any easier to do the right thing when we know we had we knew we had to do it. So it was like, okay, more people aren't showing up. Oh, now we need to do something different. But knowing that we had to do something different, and actually doing it, were two very mm-hmm. uh, very opposite things. And it took a lot more work to actually make that happen and go out and get the people and and engage with them. And so this is one of those, uh, it's almost like a gut check time in, in ministry and in our, our really whatever we're doing. So whether we're doing ministry as a volunteer or we're paid to do it, we work for the church to say, um, am I really 
busting my hump the way I could be in this? Or am I kind of sitting back and letting yeah. people come to me? And I, I in no way want to call people lazy. It's like, oh, if people aren't showing up, it's because you're lazy. Not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is there's so much opportunity out there. So many people. And it, I mean, maybe it is phone calls or maybe it is just getting out there and, and getting uh, getting the opportunity to be face to face with people and shake hands uh, or maybe shake hands during COVID, but, you know, wave at people from six feet away and, and, and get to know them a little bit better. There's opportunity if we're willing to go out there and, and do the work and, and wear ourselves out. Yeah. And I, I think this framework too, is just kind of like you were saying about being real about where you're at. So are you in launch growth or maturity? Which phase are you in? And if you can recognize that, okay, we're in launch, we're not quite where we want to be yet. That's good because that's when you're in that mode of hustle, hustle, hustle. When you hit growth though, and you're like, okay, the snowball is rolling. That might be more, maybe a little maintenance, maybe a little structure to maintain this thing well. Then when you hit maturity, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and your team and being honest about where you are. So it's important to recognize where you are. I want to make a, and it's a framework. So frameworks are meant to kind of be guidance, but they don't always follow it perfectly. So I want to make a disclaimer here. In that launch phase, don't be discouraged if at the beginning you have a nice turnout to a few things and then it putters down for a little bit. That, if I could add one thing to this framework, I might have added a quick spurt up at the beginning and then the slow, steady launch. Because, you know, when I was a new, a new youth minister, I was working at a parish I had grown up at and everyone was excited. Oh, this guy's coming back. He worked here before. He, he grew up here. Here we go. We got to support him. Huge turnouts at the first couple of nights, like, oh, this stuff's easy. Well, sure enough, after three, four, five sessions, the numbers dwindled and dwindled and dwindled until session seven of youth ministry. And I had four or five kids showing up, down from 40 or 50. And I'm thinking, what is going on? But it was good because it humbled me. And I went to prayer and I really figured out what was wrong, talked to people talked to the kids that I wanted to be there and worked out a way to get them to come back. And that was the, sl the, the slow, steady growth of the launch phase. And then I would say it was, and my volunteers would attest to this, the beginning of year three is when we hit growth. We finally had nice turnouts. We were where we wanted to be. Like you were saying, Dan, it took hustle, it took long, consistent effort. Then we got to growth. By the end of year three is when we hit maturity though. And it was time to reinvent because I saw that kind of steadying at the, on the spiritual side, as well as on the, the number side. That's it's impressive that it took three years. I don't know if it's impressive. It's almost, um, I don't want to say staggering or, uh, it catches my attention that it took three years to get through that, that launch to the, the growth phase of building all of those relationships up and getting the people there who could help you maintain those relationships because it's, Perhaps one thing that we we overestimate is the ability of any one person to maintain enough meaningful relationships to continue drawing people back. And I would guess even the most outgoing charismatic person is maxed out at 12. And it's just because of the time it takes to invest deeply in people and yeah. that you have limited time and you can invest deeply with limited time because you have to give it to somebody and you can't give it to more than one person at a time. So this, I mean, it's just part of the, the reality of the limitations of ministry. Um, and that's why, I mean, Jesus didn't want to make a, a, he didn't want to just stick around forever and have people follow him. He created followers who would do this, do the work for him. And that's the, that's the, the gold standard of everything we do, create disciples who go and make disciples so that we don't have to do it all.
I think it's a great point, Dan, about meaningful relationships. You're right. So, you know, one of the things I did that made a huge impact was, okay, I got very real and understand, okay, we need to keep, like, we need to invite people, but it can't be me. It has to be the teens that are inviting people. So finally working with the peer ministry team, we would meet once a month. And when we met, I said, okay, you are all going to write down five names of people on an index card right now. And it is your job to go and invite them. Pray on it, figure it out. You have to go do it. Because, yeah, I can only invite the same people. I can't be out there. I'm not in your school, right? I'm not talking to people that you know who would come. That's when things started to change. I mean, this stuff of ministry takes really, really, really getting in the weeds. You can't, because a lot of people, you know, you know those uh, commercials for, oh, it's like, set it and forget it. Sometimes with ministry, people think, oh, I just pray and it's going to happen. That's not what our faith even says. The saints no, have said, no. pray as if everything depends on God, but work as if everything depends on you. God gave you your bodies. You got to use them, people. Use them or lose them. So let's take a look at those or, or discuss those stages again. So you have launch, growth, and then maturity. And uh, launch is, that's, I would say, you know you're in launch phase when you're still building the things that you need in place on a regular basis uh, to just have a normally functioning ministry. So to use the youth ministry example, if you're still recruiting your core team, if you're still forming your core team, if you don't have the the programming in place, if you don't have that and you're still trying to secure it and, and put the year out and schedule and get all your speakers lined up, you're still in, in launch phase. But once you have all of those things and you could say you have a, a steady group of people who are coming and uh, let's, I'll, I'll take a moment here and say uh, just numbers alone, people showing up is not the end game. That's not the goal because we, we want to move them from trust into curiosity and openness in seeking a real relationship with the Lord. So that's that's when we're, we're talking about growth. We have more people showing up, but we also have people moving down that path of discipleship. So once you're in the growth phase, um, that's when you can really hopefully expect to see a lot of changes and a lot of development in people. So in between launch and growth, don't be, don't be too disappointed if your numbers go down, because remember, you're still figuring things out and that's when you have to hustle and people, they, they've, maybe they gave you a shot and maybe they got busy. Um, and maybe they, they thought, Oh, okay. That, you know, it's been going on for a long time, but that's not the time to, to sit back and say, well, hopefully people will come. That's the time to, to get busy and break out the, the old Rolodex. Let's see who knows that reference there. Yeah. Uh, but make phone calls. And, uh, remember most people don't look at emails, they delete them. But if you take the time to call them or you write them a note, that's, that's going to pay off and pay dividends. And, you know, maybe your goal isn't to have a hundred people show up. Maybe your goal is to have six people in a discipleship group, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, you know, it might take you six months to build that up because it, ha it takes time to build the trust with you to say, yeah, yeah. I'm part of that ministry. And then once you have that core group that, or that, that, that steady membership, okay, these six people, they're all committed, then they're ready to grow. Awesome. Um, and that leads you to maturity. And what we mean by maturity, I think that's when you start to see some of the full fruit of discipleship and when you're ready for the next big thing. So when you start to recognize we've hit a plateau, we need to do something different if we're going to continue to get results, that's when we get to the decision point. So, Justin, let's jump yeah. into the decision point a little bit. Yeah, before we do, Dan, I just want to talk about um, a couple of things going along the cycle, too. I thought you brought up some great points. And in the launch phase, I think one way you know if you've made it from launch to growth is if you did a ministry plan like we've spoken about before and you have goals, right? So if, I'll give you an example from the youth ministry, our, our goal was to get to 30 average attendees 
we were in launch until that happened. Then we started to hit growth at that point. But to your point, Dan, I think you'd take the same model and apply it to spiritual growth. Okay, so if you're not doing an outreach that is going to see large numbers, if you're doing something that is about discipleship, your launch phase might be you've got these five people and you're just helping them to rid themselves of big sin in their lives in the launch phase. But then the growth phase, you're starting to notice spiritual fruits and they are actually living discipleship. Then in maturity, they're ready at that decision point to get launched off as disciple makers themselves. So I think this life cycle applies to a, you know, a numbers lens or um, a spiritual growth lens. Um, so just wanted to mention that before we moved on to, to the most, I think maybe the most important part of the life cycle is the decision point. I agree with you 100%, Justin, that the, the, the way this trajectory works, the way this growth chart looks has just as much to do with numbers and attendance and participation or giving for that matter or, um, or you know, rate of completion as it does spiritual growth and maturity. And that's really what we're hoping for. We don't just want people to show up. We want people to draw near to the Lord, have an encounter and say, that's my Lord and my God, my Savior. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life loving him and teaching other people about him. Amen. Well, I think each of us in our own conversion journeys has come to a decision point, right? Where we, you know, think about your first year or two, like for me, it was coming back to the church and it was like these different levels of conversion. It was like, all right, I'm, I'm Catholic again. Oh, now what does this mean? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now I'm really practicing all the teachings. Okay. What next? Now what? Yeah. So you keep, this applies not just a ministry, but personal spiritual development life cycle. You should always be hitting a new decision point and, and, and a decision point with our Lord, right? So, um, so anyway, Dan, let's, let's bring it back to the decision point about ministry, though, where you get to that point in maturity. The ministry has been around a few years, and it's time to decide, all right, what, what are we doing with this thing? Are we going to keep moving forward as is and just let it peter out? Are we going to reinvent like the Knights have done and rebranding? I know some people, they were kind of ruffled their feathers at first, but the Knights were smart. They were thinking 30 years down the road, not today. So they made that decision to reinvent with some of the things they've done. That was very smart for the long haul. Um, or are you going to close up? I've seen people do that. I've seen ministries just stop. Dan, when have you when have you seen examples of ministries kind of at this decision point? The, I, you know, I can't think of the the name right now of any, any one ministry, um, but when they, they essentially say like, Hey, we did what we came to do. We, you know, we wanted to, to either promote this idea or we had this movement and we made, uh, we made something mainstream. And so you could look at some of the things like, uh, I mean, how popular is Marian devotion right now, Marian consecration. And so all of those great lay associations that, uh, that almost just like made it a part of the air we breathe to talk about consecration to Mary and talk about the, the, the great role that Mary played in our salvation. Um, and not in any way saying that those are like, th those are done. We don't have to worry about them anymore. But along the way, there's been lots of different groups who made it their goal to help people be aware of the role that Mary plays in salvation and how Mary can lead us closer to the Lord. And we might not even know who those groups are anymore, but we still experience the fruit of the work they did. Yeah. So I, I think of uh, two examples. Um, one is, I think I already mentioned a good reinvent. I think the Knights are a great example of that yeah, yeah. the last couple of years, you know, and they, they've made a decision for the long haul. Yeah, I think of um, a certain, there's a certain uh, retreat experience I've seen. And I think, you know, what happened over years was initially it helped a lot of people. But then later on, it kept running out of people to invite. 
you know, and, and it couldn't find more folks. Um, I think that ministry is at a decision point right now. And I'll tell you, here's when you know you're at a decision point in maturity. If people start asking you, and this has happened with that group, people said, hey, what's next? You guys need a new thing. That group made a decision and said, hey, this is actually what we do. Take it or leave it. And I think they're reinventing the way they approach it, the way they go about it, but they made a, a stake in the ground because I'll tell you a marketing principle 101 that applies here is if you try to reach everybody, you're going to end up being nobody. You cannot be all things to all people. And some retreat models view themselves as we're here to create a spark and then we want the pairs to take it over after that. Now, now knowing that is your identity is one thing. Communicating that out and having people understand it, that's a whole other uh, exercise of setting expectations. Yeah, which, you know, it, it, that's almost like a, a generic description of so many different groups and movements within the church that initially they catch a lot of momentum and they, they, they gather, gather a lot of interest and then it kind of calms down a little bit. And people, uh, mm -hmm. it, it's not in any way to say that what they did was, uh, was wrong, but like you said, they run out of, uh, they run out of new people to, to bring in and new people to, to give that experience. And, uh, maybe that's just a part of those ministries serve an important role within the life of the church. And then the parish needs to, to be ready to, to catch that pass and run with it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to throw up another example. I just came across this week of, of a close Dan, and this to keep in mind, this doesn't, this might not apply to your whole ministry. It might apply to a portion of it as you grow and develop. So we all know Catholic answers. They're wonderful in the area of apologetics. Well, I was looking up a question on the faith. And I clicked on forums, and as of today, this is January 5th, 2021, their website says that they decided at the end of 2020 to close the forums section of what they do. Wow. Now, I don't know if that's long-term or temporary, but that's a good example of sometimes you do just need to close. You know, it's like a strategic decision that for whatever reason, this, this isn't working out right now. We don't have the resources or whatever it might be. Yeah. So I just want to encourage people, close isn't bad. Close doesn't mean something bad is happening. If you're discerning, it can mean you're being attentive to the spirit and, and allowing God to help you focus on what's really moving the needle, so to speak. Yeah. And that's it. Like you said, it doesn't mean anything bad's going on. It was just a part of their ministry. They said, okay, what's really our core? And I would love to know why they decided to do that because that's been around for, I mean, probably 15 years. You could look more. up any, anything there, but yeah, yeah. maybe it's signs of the times, right? People don't look at blogs anymore. I see what I see them doing a lot more of is podcasting. I see them having their guys be speakers. Yeah. So you got to pay attention to the to the signs of the times, if you will, not in like a morality sense, but in like, what are people, how are people digesting information sense? Yeah, you know, exactly. what, what worked yeah, 30 years ago, that ain't going to work today. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the radio became the TV and the TV became the internet. And so, I mean, it's a valid question to say, what's the internet becoming? If, if, if blogs were the thing of the, the first decade of the two thousands, what about the second, the third decade, what's next? And, and let's be willing to embrace that. So, we have we have a megaphone too. The internet's like a megaphone, and uh, we got to get good at using it. Otherwise, we get drowned out. Yeah. So I think in summary, what is this framework about? It's about being real with yourself and your ministry. Where are you? All right. And once you are real about where you are, where are you going to go? And what action items are needed? We I think that was a good conversation, Dan, because we talked about in that launch phase, you're you're hustling, but then in growth, 
you might be doing a little bit more maintenance and trying to maintain that growth because it's kind of taken on a life in its own. Yeah. But then in maturity, you need to make prayerful decisions, get good information to read the tea leaves and know what to do. Yeah, prayer. I think prayerful is the key there. What's the Lord asking? Because that's the most important question. If the Lord Always. wants you to continue to grow, if he wants you to shudder a part of it or all of it, he will have something that he wants you to do next. At the end of the day, it's really always about that one question, Dan. What is the Lord asking you to do? Yeah. And one thing and we know for sure, he wants us to make disciples because that's the last thing he said to do. Yes. So with that, if there is a topic that we have not covered yet that you would love for us. So I'm, I'm talking to anyone listening, whether you are watching or listening on, on any podcast platform send us an email and say, this is really important. I think this is something that that we would love to have more information on, a problem that maybe you could help solve. So the email address is beingandmakingdisciples at gmail.com, or you can check us out on, on Facebook and send us a message there. We'd love to hear from you. So thank you so much for watching. God bless you. And we hope that this helps you and others you know have fruitful ministries.